0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Residential Living with Richard Orso. In this episode, Richard sits down with his designer, Sam, and they go over part two of kitchen guidelines. Again, these are guidelines, anything from refrigerators to safety hazards to little suggestions in your kitchen. Enjoy the episode, guys.
1: Welcome to Residential Living, Richard Orso. Sam and I are back again. We last did the first half of the National Kitchen Bath Association's kitchen guidelines. So we're going to catch the other half, this half. So if you haven't caught us on the first half, just go to our, our information at the end of this podcast, and you'll be able to find our information. So, Sam?
0: Let's yeah, yeah. So, uh, so where we left off last time, we'll, we'll start with sixteen. We'll start with refrigerator landing area. Um, so, when we were talking about a refrigerator landing area, where 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 we want the refrigerator, where where we want in
1: relation to the countertops? Sure. Naturally, we've got side by side refrigerators. We have left hand. We have right hand swings. So, we really want to have at least fifteen inches of landing space around the refrigerator. So, if you've got you know handle on the on the left you would want the the countertop on the left if you have a side by side you really should have some counter space on on either side but we also can have it right across the the way on the island so okay. come in from the grocery store cold goods are normally put in one you know certain bags land those on that little landing space and from there we can go to the refrigerator or freezer from that landing space, if we're cooking, we need the milk, we need the butter, we need the eggs. We can set those out and then transition those to our preparation space.
0: Okay, and and some of the bigger kitchens that you you might you might come across is there is there too far that you would want these landing areas? Like, is there a minimum that you, like are normally a in
1: a bigger kitchen we have plenty of counter space, right. so it's normally not an issue to accommodate the minimum amount of, of counter space that we need for the refrigerator landing. Makes a yes. lot of sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, after that, we'll go into seventeen. We'll go a uh, cooking surface landing
1: area. So when we're talking cooking surfaces, what, what are we referring to? Naturally, we need some space around our cooking surface, whether it's a cooktop or a range or a range top. We're cooking pancakes. We need a, a, a place for our, our mixing bowl. And we cook in our pancakes, and we normally have a plate that we need to, you know, the, the pancakes that are finished. So normally we want at least 15 inches on one side and at least 12 inches on the other side. So okay. you see a lot of these people's putting their cooking surface in these closed-in enclosures. They're really cool, but there's only about 9 inches of counter space on each side. Yeah. Now, the larger the, your cooking surface is, the less counter space that you use because you may found, find yourself – using a, a burner that you're not cooking on for landing space sure. for it, for your, for your, your, your space there. And then we normally try like an Island application. We want to have at least nine inches of counter space behind the cooking surface, just for safety purpose of yeah. nothing else, you know, kids reaching up onto the counter and such like that. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. So, um, and that, that'll,
0: that'll bring us into, to, uh, 18, so uh, cooking service clearance. Sure. So now we're talking how how what, what's above mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. I mean, you have your cooktop normally at 36 inches, a little bit higher, and then you should have some adequate clearance for big pots mm-hmm. and such like that. So – there's over-the-range microwaves, which we did one, we used we'd installed some in a barn and medium what this week or so, a few weeks ago, but we hardly ever use them. But you should have at least 24 inches of clearance between your cooking surface and your hood just to be able to get in and out of your pots and such. An un, a, a combustional product material, let's just say like some of these decorative hoods that you're seeing nowadays that should be at least 30 inches of clear of a combustional material. Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Yep. And, and, and uh, when we're talking about hoods, uh, we'll go into 19. Um, when you're talking about cooking surface ventilation, what's some ways that you've seen people be able to vent their hoods sure. out, of their, out of their
1: kitchen? That is very important. Us at Orso Designs is not going to design a kitchen without some type of ventilation. We get people all the time say I don't want any ventilation. I don't need a hood. I've been having a hood for forty years. I don't use it. Like I'm going to design you in a hood, and you can take it out if you want to. But you should have some ventilation. 150 CFMs is the minimum, uh, you know, asked for in these guidelines. will pretty much any and all hood vents going to have at least 150 Cfms some of these big hoods these 48 50, I mean they got like 1200 CFM yeah. so it's kind of kind of crazy uh, of the amount of, of the you know the the you know uh, the efficiency of these units you have your your downdrafts that pop up out of the hood out, right. of, out of the uh, countertop and such so mm-hmm. that can actually bring it down below it yeah, we well, have that. Room yes, above. that's correct. And then, of course, you got to be real careful that you don't go too high. Most manufacturers are, are not going to man uh warrant their their hoods if you exceed thirty six inches off the counter. So you see a lot of these enclosures where the the hood vent is, you know seven feet off the ground right. and such, but yet then again, they've got hoods that are designed to go on the ceiling. So, I mean, there's a, you know, once again, we're talking guidelines and not yeah. rules of, of, of the, of the program.
0: Sure. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll go into number 20 from there. We'll go into uh, cooking surface safety. Um, so, so really big in, in, your book on, on safety. So sure.
1: Kind of explain what that we that's get questioned a lot of time. Can I put a cooktop at, at a window? The answer is yes, if it's a metal window okay. and glass and tiled up to it, it doesn't is not a wood window. it doesn't have wood trim. You, once again, we can't have anything combustionable less than 30 inches off the cooktop. So yeah. naturally, you don't want to have drapes on the window yeah, right. or, yeah. or wooden no. shutters and such like that. So here again, this, you know the safety aspect of it is is nothing combustionable. Less than thirty inches off the counter, and of course we always nice to have a fire extinguisher available. Right? In case yeah. Uh
0: uh-huh. huh. Of course. Of course. Um. So so you were kind of also talking about microwave placement earlier, and that'll bring us to twenty one. So where's it? What's a good area for your, for your kitchen for your microwave, or what's a good height for it?
1: The best location for a microwave is in an oven enclosure, single oven microwave mounted above it by far. Perfect height. Your controls are right in front of you. You're, you're in, you know getting in 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 and out, but we're not doing a lot of oven enclosures anymore. So some are still mounted in the upper cabinet. It shouldn't be no more than fifty four inches off the floor, mm-hmm. and then we're doing tons of microwave drawers, which is a really with these open kitchens, and they should be no less than You know they should be a minimum of fifteen inches. Should have be at least fifteen inches off the floor because yeah. if you put them too too close to the ground, they're just totally inconvenient. Yeah, you don't want to be bending all the way over. for that. Right. Okay.
0: Right. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Um, and so twenty two will go into a microwave landing
1: area. So space sure. in
0: front of a microwave. Yep.
1: It's very similar to the refrigerators. The the microwave is is we should, once again getting back to that fifteen inches of counter space. If your microwave is up high, you can you can drop down low with a, with a uh, for, for a landing space or to the side either way if it's in a drawer you can lift it up and put it on the counter right above it or to the side or reach out and actually land it back on the island so as long as it's within 48 inches of the space uh, it works very well sure. you know, I, I find myself landing out on the island more than than I do with my perimeter cabinets okay okay um, so 23,
0: we'll get into oven landing areas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ovens definitely take up a large amount of space in the kitchen for a landing right, area, but, right. but as you said, they kind of do go in with a microwave. You could kind of put that in a, one built in, but, um, what, what's some regulations that you would look at? For
1: well, that? we look at, at once again, the 15 inch minimum for an oven landing to where, we can land to the side. We a lot of times I will land from my oven onto a, on a burner that's not being used on the on the on the cooktop or the or the range. But once again, it you know works very well to, to land back on the island. So mm-hmm. you just gotta be real careful something hot coming out of the oven that you have some protection of 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 the of the countertop because you know something's that's 350, 400 degrees for you know landing on just about any countertop. Could not be yeah good do well for that countertop
0: yeah you don't want to ruin thanksgiving lunch taking the turkey out like that i get that mm-hmm. um so we'll go into 24 this will this will kind of be combining some of these landing areas all together so what's your thought process when you're combining all of these things into one
1: well let's just say we're, we're combining the oven landing space with the microwave landing space the 15 inches is kind of a, a rule but we when we'd combine them use them as you know one landing space for two purposes we'd like to add 12 inches to that that number so we're looking for a, an unobstructed counter of 27 inches
0: okay just in case you have more than one thing that needs to be coming out at a time right understood right. um and and speaking of countertop space that will bring us to 25 so how mm-hmm. much counter space are you looking in in a kitchen i mean i know all kitchens are different but do you have a right. rule of thumb for that
1: well, we're normally looking for about 158 inches, which is around 13 feet or so. And that, and we normally judge counter space by the the you know the front surface of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain perimeters to where we may need the full 24 inches for preparation or whatever, or we'll call it the 16 inches. We might have a coffee pot or yeah. you know another you know appliances on on it. So. On the counter, so yes.
0: Okay, and um, uh, going into to storage, how much, uh, we'll go to 27, so, so storage in a kitchen based off of the size of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- wh- how much storage are you looking for?
1: Well, in a small kitchen, we're looking around 150 square feet. Now, that can be wall cabinet storage, base cabinet storage, okay. drawers, pull-out shelves, lazy Susans in the corner and mm-hmm. such like that. In a medium, we're looking from 150 to 350. And then in a a large kitchen, we're looking about, you know, 350 plus. But the thing is, is we're we're naturally, in in some of our newer homes, we're we're experiencing walk-in pantries, which is just a blessing. So a lot of that square footage that we are are needing in the kitchen, eh, we don't have room in the kitchen because it's just a wide open plan. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff can go in, in the pantry We're seeing less and less people use their microwaves since we have so many appliances like air fryers and and, uh, steam ovens and such like that. So a lot of people are even taking their microwave and putting it in their pantry, which will free up some more storage in the kitchen or or any counter space. Yeah, if you think about
0: it, I'm using a lot of the stuff that's already in my pantry to go into my microwave. Right. A lot of my quick, quick, quick heat stuff. Yeah.
1: So one of the biggest challenges nowadays is is, is is coming up with enough wall cabinet storage because, I mean, it's windows and doors and, right. I mean, open, wide open. But nowadays with the hinges and the drawer slides and that we have, it's not uncommon to store plates and bowls and drinking glasses and wine glasses in drawers because they're just so smooth. They just easily go. So, you know, to, we try to shoot for around 60 inches of wall for wall walls cabinet storage but it don't always work so it's just a matter of just being diversified with using it and of course base storage drawers pullouts and then pantries we can do pullouts you know pantry cabinets and then we get into our miscellaneous storage miscellaneous storage is anything over seven feet some of these cabinets are going 10 12 foot tall Hey, we got a step ladder. We can get to it, but it's not something we want to get to it every day. Mm-hmm. We 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 create a lot of storage underneath the overhang at the island. Yeah. But once again, it's for seasonal storage to where we don't want to have to move a bar stool, you know, twice a day to get something that's stored there. But yet again, that mis- miscellaneous storage that comes in very handy.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. I have to put it somewhere. Um, all right, so that'll that'll bring us into twenty eight. So uh, storage at cleanup and prep sink. So, uh, what, what's your main storage? Where are you using in your prep sink?
1: There was a day where having two sinks in a kitchen was real popular. Starting to see a lot less of that nowadays. We're normally focusing on the main kitchen, and it, the the key to it is is just having a you know, proper counter space around the sink, whatever it may be, whether it's the main sink and such. I know we cover that in in the you know the the previous prep. Uh, guidelines. But uh, like I say, we're starting to see less and less preparation of prep sinks in these kitchens that when prep sinks was real popular, I'm going in to redo because it seemed like the prep sink couldn't be in a worse spot. So, I mean, do we give up the counter space for a prep sink? Do we give up the storage up underneath? And as long as the main sink is, you know, in good proximity of of the flow of what the kitchen's going these, these prep sinks are, are, you know, not as popular nowadays. Now, if we have room for it, there's, you know, like a little space off to the side. We're putting them in pantries, which is real popular. You can put your coffee pot in there and have everything you need to do to make your coffee and a little beverage centers and such like that. Is, you know, so the, those secondary sinks are popular there.
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. And uh, when when it comes to how many corners you have in a kitchen, I mean, what are you doing different to
1: help with your corner cabinet storage? Sure. The guidelines request that we have at least one corner storage system, like a Lazy Susan, whether it's L-shaped or diagonal. And there's just all kind of different pullouts, rollouts, swivels, and such. I find that if a kitchen is of decent size, and, and you might want to call me lazy, but I feel if you utilize the space on this this leg and utilize the space on this leg that this lazy Susan's going to consume, I find there's more efficiency in those those areas than trying to do a lazy Susan. Yeah. Now sometimes a lazy Susan just falls into place because we've got this much space for our drawers, for our, our cooktop, and then we got this much space for a four bank for our or a sink area, and it just works out well. But I don't go, you know, I don't, uh, you know, jump over leaps and hurdles to try to squeeze a, a a unit like that in. That's just me. They're expensive. They're aggravating. Things fall off the back of them. Sure. And I'm not saying there's, you know, some really nice options there, but we, we look at it very hard before we get too carried away. For you, for you, it's just easier to use that as back storage. Just kill it, yep. just kill it. I mean, I, some people look at that as you know square footage and cabinets, but you just gotta balance it out and see where it works out well.
0: Okay, and uh, and that'll 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 kind of got a good way to segue into a to a to a new part. So we're getting into the electric part of the kitchen. So
1: 30 will be electrical receptacles. So in a kitchen, what's what what's sure. what
0: for an electrical receptacle?
1: Naturally, any counter space that has, a, you know, an ability to be a, a functional uh, production space needs to have outlets. We put, make sure the Island has a whole lot of, you know, outlets mm-hmm. and walk in pantries. We load it up because we know there's going to be a bunch of stuff Plugged into that those count you know the the units on the counters, everything really should be ground fault, you know, interrupters switches to where if something falls in the sink you know it kills the interruption. So by code is is pretty much all your building codes is, is you know recommend or pretty much mandates that you have ground fault interrupters circuits and. Okay. In, and, in the kitchen
0: and I know we, we come across this problem sometimes people just don't have they are they they're using all their outlets on their countertops for coffee makers they're using it for their toaster their microwave that's on their countertop everything's already used so when we have islands I know there's there's some good strip circuits that you like to mm-hmm. put on it for people charging their phones while they're sitting eating breakfast and whatnot
1: that's a pretty regimented code also as as the as the island have an outlets they don't want you to droop and you know, a a cord across the aisle and plug it into the wall and some kid runs around and takes out the blender or such like that. So there's so many neat, I mean, some pop-up countertop outlets. Like say, we tuck them up underneath the overhang, which works out pretty cool. There are a lot of different ways. There are tracks that fit up underneath the uh, the upper cabinets. There are, we sometimes will just put them just right above the, the counter so they're not way up so if you're plugging in your coffee pot it's not coming here and you know the the cords dangling out Uh, we'll do some under counter like like if there's a knee space for whatever reason we'll we'll grommet down to having outlets there but it's real important that you actually make sure that you have proper outlets the in the pantry we'll put outlets on the counter on on the shelving units you never know nowadays with things that plug in, little well, Dustbusters and Dyson. I mean, there's all kinds of things that plug in nowadays. So it's real important to make sure that the electrical outlets are, are well covered. Okay, gotcha. And
0: uh, and, and last but certainly not, not least, um, we're, we're going to go into lighting for the kitchen. you got to be able to see. Um, what are some different types of lighting that you, you have to have in a kitchen?
1: Well, naturally, the best lighting is natural lighting. Okay. How much can we bring in as natural lighting? We take like in renovations, we're taking a lot of walls out between the kitchen and the living room. What's, what's cool about that is most of these rooms only had lighting from one way. Well, the sun, you know, rises in the east and sets in the west. But taking these walls out now, you have cross cross lighting coming through here. Mm-hmm. We very seldom try to eliminate any natural light if we possibly can but yet then again sometimes we have so much natural light we can afford to give away a little bit of natural light to create more wall space for something or the other so general lighting is naturally artificial light that's a lot of times done with recessed cans in the ceiling Mm -hmm. now there's technically three three phases of lighting your general lighting your task lighting and your accent lighting and they all can overlap them in any way light uh, can lights in the ceiling can be your task lighting you don't have to have a dangling light over your island so your range is going to have a hood light your sink needs some type of task lighting because if your back's turned to the to the lighting in the ceiling it might you know, shadow your, your sink. So we'll do something decorative normally over the, over the sink, and then we get into task lighting. So no matter what you're doing in this space, you're properly lit. As I mentioned, the oven has the, the light in the hood, sink has a light over it. All the countertops will have under cabinet lighting, yep. lighting those up. And then if you have open counter like an island or a peninsula – we normally do some type of decorative hanging light over that that space right there, gotcha. and they're all on different planes, so they can, you can utilize them in any different way. And then, of course, we're big on on uh, on use uh, using the dimmers on okay. light, so you can kind of dim it however high how you want it. We're we're experienced. We're toying with. Uh, Motion sensors. I just put one in my utility room, okay. which is kind of cool. You just kind of walk in, it comes on, and a minute later, it shuts off. For closets and and uh, walk-in pantries, all you know, such like that, it works very well. And then last but not least is accent lighting. Sure. That is that lighting is there to set a mood. Dimmers on the on the on the standard set of lighting is technically an out accent light. In the evening, from you go from bright light and you just dim it down, real light. Mm-hmm. Or you know, certain times of the day, it could be a conversation piece. Over, hey, this is Grandma's light that was yeah. in her kitchen for fifty-something years. And, you know, just just accent the space, or it could just be a, a you know a work of art, just yeah. a real cool lighting. Nowadays, if you look around, I mean, there's artists building light, making lights with just all kind of cool stuff. and then with us at the old mill we're constantly we're doing routes in our shelves and up lighting and down lighting and nowadays be on the lookout for silicone lighting which is cool it's you know nowadays with lighting you got to have a metal track with a plastic lens and all this is all in one it's just a little rectangular little silicone rubber little uh continuous light and you can cut it to whatever size you want and so I'm getting my first um, sample of that this week, which, I mean, this is hot off to hardly anybody has it now. So I'm looking – I mean, you can take and you can do swirls with it and all awesome. that kind of stuff. So. Awesome. A lot of flexibility. But the main thing it. is is you really need to consider hiring a, an experienced kitchen designer. I mean, there's a lot of designers out there that's going to make it look pretty and builders out there that build a pretty, pretty kitchen – but if, you know, really a good, you know, professional designer you know, can definitely help out tremendously. And a lot of times it's a lot of the things that you don't see mm-hmm. that you're like, damn, I didn't think about that, that, you know, I'm glad somebody did. So. Yeah.
0: And with the flexibility with with these NKBA standards, you still have. Um, a lot of choice in what your kitchen's going to look like i mean mm-hmm. as as he says all the time i mean there is no perfect kitchen a lot of these decisions are going to be up to
1: you know the, the homeowner definitely the it's, it's from the aesthetics they're trying to achieve whether it's the style of their cabinets the backsplash their countertops the lighting a lot of this is 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 you know their taste it's mm-hmm. their space mm-hmm. i always say all the time i say look this is not my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is your kitchen. I'm here as your, your professional to guide you to create that kitchen of your you know, that, that uh, you just always been dreaming of. Yeah. So. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, that, that
0: takes us to the end of, of, uh, of the kitchen. Yeah,
1: yes. We, this, if you haven't caught the first phase, just go to the, the information available to you to catch the first phase of this. And then we will soon be going into the guidelines for the bath design, which is kind of cool. We kind of didn't dabble a whole lot in accessibility with the kitchen because the kitchen's a little bit more flexible. But we're going to dive really deep into accessibility with with people with disabilities and walkers and wheelchairs and and you know, it's a really good, once again, it's just such simple information. A lot of common but, sense. Yeah. yeah, but if you don't, you know, utilize it in the design process, it tends to bite you in the rear. So. Right. I got you. Well, I appreciate y'all from for joining us. Sam, thank you for, thank you for having me. this. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you a lot. Mm-hmm.